it is great to be back with you folks. We know we had a guest speaker last week, but I am glad to be back with you today. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the idea of being made to serve. Now, we have a lot of serving opportunities here at our church, and, and maybe you're, you're plugged into that, and that's fantastic, and maybe the, you're not, and hopefully we can get you there. But what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the way that Jesus served and some of the things that Jesus did to serve others in hopes that we can model ourselves after Christ and we can serve in some of those same ways. Now, obviously, we can't do all of the things that Jesus did, but there are certainly some ways that we can do the ways that we can serve not only our own church, but our community and those around us to show the love of Christ to others. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. Next week, we'll talk about another aspect of service. And then we do have a couple of guest speakers towards the end of the month. So for those of you who are wondering, we will pick up our uh, exegetical study through the book of Ephesians the first Sunday of February. So don't worry, I have not forgotten about that. I just didn't think I could knock that out in a two-week time span. So let's jump into today's topic of this idea of being made to serve. Um, perfect. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture here today. So if you have your Bible, if you have your Bible app, you have your phone, you're going to get a workout in here this morning. But this is one of those verses that has always stood out in my mind. And of course, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Now, as most of you know, when the Bible canon was put together and these scriptures were compiled, at some point they came along and said, look, we got to make it easier for folks to find things in the scriptures. And sometimes I think they did a really great job of that, and sometimes I think maybe they kind of missed the mark on that one. And I think this is one of those verses that kind of misses the mark, because if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is talking about the fact that, that he is trying to model himself after the work of Jesus Christ. And he's talking about some kind of do's and don'ts and things like that, and he kind of completes the thought with chapter 11, verse 1. So even though this, this verse probably should have been at the end of chapter 10, we find it in chapter 11, verse 1. But I love what he says where he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now this always sticks out in my head when I think of this idea of serving and this idea of being made to serve quiz for you and feel free to shout out your answers if you'd like. Uh, we were joking around last week about sometimes when the preacher asks a question, they're not really looking for an answer, but I, I don't subscribe to that theory. Uh, you are welcome to answer any questions that I ask. I love the interaction. Uh, but Matthew chapter 20 verses 28, does anybody know the gist of that verse? Does anybody know what that says? It says that Christ didn't come to serve Excuse me, Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve, right? So Jesus came down from heaven to walk as a man, but he didn't come so that he could be exalted and so that people would bow down to him and so that he could be this, this, this king sitting on his throne like people were expecting or what people were thinking about. No, he came to serve. And when we look at the life of Christ in the New Testament, we see over and over again that he did just that. He served others. And Paul is reminding the folks at Corinth, hey, 
be like me as I try to be like Christ. And if we're going to do that, and that should be our goal as Christians, right? We can't be Jesus, but our goal should be to be like Jesus, to be a Christ follower, someone who emulates Jesus. And if we're going to do that, then we have to serve. And we're going to look today at just a few of the ways that Jesus served others and how we can apply that to our daily lives, because we could never look at all of the ways that Jesus served others in a half an hour or 30-minute, 35-minute time frame. But we're going to look at some of the key things that I think we can learn from the way that Jesus served. Now, I love this story, and this is a story that we see early on. And this is the story about being about our Father's business. So if you look at Luke chapter 2, we are going to start in verse 41. So Luke chapter 2, verse 41. I think this is a very familiar passage to most of you. But it says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. It says, when he was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. So again, as you probably know by now, when the Passover rolled around, people would make this pilgrimage, right? They would all come to be together to celebrate this time. It says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among the relatives and friends. Now, I always thought this was kind of an, an interesting passage, kind of a funny passage. Now, I'm not going to say that Mary and Joseph were bad parents, but, you know, they did kind of leave Jerusalem without their son. Now, all joking aside, this would have been a large group of people that they were traveling with. So we kind of just assume that they thought, ah, you know, Jesus is back there with his buddies. They're just lagging. They're hanging out. We're good to go. But at some point they realize, hey, wait a minute. Where's Jesus? Does this sound to anybody else like the plot of Home Alone? No? Nobody watched Home Alone this Christmas? All right. Verse 45, we pick up, it says, When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. So see, they weren't bad parents. As soon as they realized it, they turned around and went back. It says, After three days, they found him in the temple courts. Now, I don't know about you, but as a parent, after three days, I'm freaking out about this. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple courts. It says, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Verse 47 picks up and says, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. It says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? says, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So this is that whole, look, kid, look what you're doing to me. You're making me crazy. I'm worried about you. I don't know where you are. And it, Jesus was no different. You know, when we think of Jesus, we often think of Jesus and all the amazing things that he did in his life. But I love the fact that when Jesus was younger, they kind of had the same family dynamic that all of us have, right? Our kids drive us crazy. They're not where they're supposed to be. We worry about them. And it was the same thing for Joseph and Mary. And that makes this story very relatable, I think, to most of us, because we've all been there, done that, right? Maybe not for three days, but we've had our kid run off, right? We've lost our kid in a store, or whatever the case may be, and we've had that, like, why did you do that to me, right? We get frustrated, we get upset. Well, this is no different. They couldn't find Jesus, and they were worried, and they were upset. And she says, hey, son, 
Why have you done this to me? Why are you treating me like this? And then this is how Jesus responded. It says, why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Now, depending on the translation that you're using, it says, did you know I had to be about my father's business? I love that. Didn't you know, mom and dad, I needed to be doing the Lord's work. That's all I was doing. I was really doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. It says, but they did not understand what he was telling them. That's the first thing I want us to think about as we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at the way that Jesus served, is even from the time he was 12 years old, he was about his father's business. Now, what does that mean for you and I? That means that we need to be about our father's business in everything that we say, in everything that we do, and in our daily lives. Now, I love the fact that Jesus was 12 and he got it. Now, I remember back when I was 12, I probably wasn't about Jesus' business yet. I was probably busy playing games and hanging out with my friends and riding bikes and all that other kind of good stuff. But even from the age of 12, Jesus says, hey, you got to be about your father's business. And I love that it says they just didn't really understand. Now, as we look at the story that we just talked about at Christmas time about, you know, Jesus being born of a virgin and, and this, this epiphany that Mary had had and the angel visiting her and, and explaining to her what was going on. Twelve years later, they still didn't quite understand what was happening here? Jesus was 12 years old, and he was sitting in the temple courts teaching and preaching and answering questions to the priests who had been doing this their whole lives. So what are the two things that we learn from that? One is that Jesus knew the scriptures. So we need to know the scriptures if we want to serve like Jesus served. The other thing that we learn from this is that he was about his father's business. See, we get so worked up and we get so busy in our daily lives, and I know that we're busy. Trust me, I get it. Two kids at home, one on the way. I go to school full-time. I work full-time. I get it. We're all busy. But sometimes we use our busyness as our excuse. Look, I'm too busy. I, I can't help out. I'm too busy. I can't serve. But we can take the time to learn the scriptures, and we need to be about our Father's business. And we'll unpack that a little bit more as we go along. Point number two is looking for ways to help others. Are we actively looking for ways to help others in our daily lives? And sometimes this can be easier said than done because, again, we're busy and again, we put our blinders on, right? Because we're so focused on the things that we need to do that sometimes God puts people in our lives and we don't even realize why they're there or how we can help those people. But just a quick overview of the book of Luke. In the book of Luke, we see that Jesus healed the sick. We see that he cast out evil spirits. We see that he brought people back to life. And we see that he fed the hungry. Now, you may look at this list and say, well, I, I can't heal the sick. Okay, fair. I can't either. I can't cast out evil spirits. Okay, I can't necessarily do that. I can't bring people back to life. And I don't have that power. But I can feed the hungry. 
And there are things that I can do. See, sometimes we get so worked up in the things that we can't do to be like Christ, right? I, I can't heal the sick. I don't have that power. And to my knowledge, that's not a spiritual gift that, that we still see present today. Now, yes, we have doctors who can help to heal through medicine and things like that. But I don't have the power to heal people. And, and I don't have the power to bring people back to life. But, but I don't say, because I can't do those things, well, I might as well not do anything. I, see, i got to look for what are the things I can do. And people tell me all the time, look, I don't know how I can serve. I can tell you right here in this church, we have multiple opportunities that you can get involved and that you can serve. See, we always need help on our welcome team. We need greeters. We have our hands and feet ministry that sews dresses for little girls in Africa. We have our comfort cafe that feeds the people that are hungry in our neighborhoods. We have the military ministry where we can help to bless people. And we have a lot of people in this church that are doing wonderful things to go out and to serve our community and to talk to others about Jesus. But we can't let the fact that Jesus did things that we can't do be our excuse to say, well, I'm not going to do anything. we got to look. we got to look for those ways that we can help others. I want you to turn with me in Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to start in verse 35. It says, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. It says, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. It says, I was a stranger, and you invited me in. It says, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Verse 37 says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? It says, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes, and we clothed you? See, they were confused. They're like, wait a minute, we didn't see Jesus in that way. We never saw Jesus going hungry. We never saw Jesus naked and needing clothes. So they're confused. That's what I love about verse 39. It says, when did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? It says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. If you ever needed a little more convincing of why it's important to serve, it's right there in the book of Matthew. See, when we take care of our brothers and sisters. When we take care of our fellow man, we're showing Christ to others. And he makes it very clear in this passage that that's what he expects. He expects us to take care of others when we can. And when we do that, it's just like we did it for the king. It's just like we did it for Christ. Let's flip over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. We talked about some ways, like even within our church, right, that we can serve others. But I, but I think this is equally as important, and that's to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Maybe you're not in a position to serve. Maybe you're not in a position to financially give large sums of money. That's okay. Maybe you're not financially able to, or you're not physically able to come and do our sewing ministry on the first Saturday of the month. That's okay. Because when we live in community, when we serve each other, when we bear each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. And you know what? Being there for one another doesn't cost any money. 
and it doesn't take a physical toll. It's as simple as sending somebody an email, sending somebody a text message, picking up the phone, sending a card to say, look, brother, sister, I love you and I'm praying for you. I know you're going through a tough time. I get that. But I want you to know I'm here for you. Because, see, it's not only important that we serve our community. It's not only important that we serve people halfway around the world. we got to serve each other. And we got to love each other. And we got to be there for each other. And when we do that, it's pleasing to Christ. And that's exactly how the early church did it. See, Christ lived in community. See, Christ surrounded himself with people that he could do life with. You know, in, in, in just a few weeks, we're going to be kicking off our, our, our re-kicking off our life group ministries. And I know we have a couple of life groups that are already meeting and small groups that are meeting, but we're going we're gonna to ramp this up and try and get some more folks involved. And it's that, this, this verse is exactly to me why small groups are so important. Is because you get to truly do life together. You get to be there for one another. You get to bear each other's burdens. You got people there that are pulling for you. You got people there that are praying for you. You got people there that you're building relationships with. Jesus built relationships because he knew it was important, because he knew we couldn't do it alone. Key point number three, and this is a tricky one, right? Make the first move. Make the first move. See, when we want to go out and serve people, when we want to go out and make disciples of people, we sometimes have to make the first move, and that's the hardest part sometimes. Sometimes that's the hardest part, is when we have to make that first move. But again, we're looking at examples of Christ this morning, so I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. Luke chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. And this, this is a very familiar story again to all of us, but I think it's a great example of the fact that Jesus made the first move. It says, one day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. It says, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Verse 3 says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little more share. Excuse me, (laughs) to put out a little from shore. It says, then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. It said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. It says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. It says, so they... Excuse me. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. It says, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. It says, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. It says, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. It says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. See, Jesus made the first move. 
See, in the beginning of this passage, it says that he was teaching and that there was a crowd around him. But Jesus didn't just wait for people to come and say, hey, Jesus, I want to be a part of your team. No, he went to them and said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, Jesus made the first move. He went and found people who needed him. He went and approached people. He needed help. He needed people to serve. And he went and said, look, I need you to come with me. And I love that Jesus made the first move. See, there's so much that we can learn from the way that Jesus went about his business. And sometimes we got to make the first move, and sometimes that's the hardest part, right? It's the hardest part sometimes to, to broach that topic with somebody who's not a Christian to say, look, I would love for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That can be tough, right? That can be intimidating, but it's necessary. Because, see, the Great Commission says that we're to go out and make disciples of all men. And if we're not doing that, then we're not fulfilling the will of God. So we got to make that first move sometimes. And again, not easy to do. And we got to seek out those who need Jesus. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. It says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So we're talking about this idea, right, of seeking out people who need Jesus. The story is about Zacchaeus, and most of you have heard this. This is a very familiar Bible story probably to most of you. But he tells us right in the very beginning, it says, the man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Tax collectors in this day, you have to understand, were hated. And the reason that they were hated is because they were crooked. The reason Zacchaeus was wealthy is because the tax collectors of this day and age did the whole, like, two for the government, two for my pocket. Two for the government, two for my pocket. And that's why you see kind of throughout Scripture, you see tax collectors kind of being portrayed in a negative light because they were, for the most part, they were crooked. And you thought the IRS was bad. These guys were literally shaking people down for money and putting half in their own pockets. Why, why, why did Jesus pick Zacchaeus? Because he knew that Zacchaeus needed Jesus. He was seeking out people who needed him. And if we're going to serve others, we've got to go out and find the people that need Jesus. Because yes, there's something to be said for fellowship, but if we never take Jesus outside of these four walls, how are we going to bring people to Jesus? How are we going to bring people to the church if we're not taking the gospel to the people that need to hear the gospel? Verse 3 says, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So see, Zacchaeus was interested, but he wanted to kind of look from afar Right? Zacchaeus wanted to know, hey, what, what's this, all this hubbub I keep hearing about this Jesus fella? But he wasn't ready to just walk up to Jesus. So he kind of runs ahead and he, he climbs up in the tree to get a better view. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. 
Verse 7 says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. See, people started to whisper, right? People started to whisper, why is Jesus hanging out with that guy? Why is Jesus hanging out with a tax collector? Those guys are bad news. That guy's a sinner. But what do we see throughout Jesus' ministry? He went to the people that needed him. He didn't just go sit down somewhere and wait for the people to come to him. We see he ate with prostitutes. He ate with sinners. He went and took his message to the people that needed to hear it. So if we're going to serve others, we've got to take it to the people who need to hear it. We can't just wait for them to come walking through the back door. That's great when they do. That's like going fishing, right? And you say, well, I'm not actually going to put a line in the water. I'm just going to wait for the fish to jump in the boat. Probably not going to do very well. But if you put your nets out and you bring them to you, it's a whole different story. So as Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. See, sometimes we forget that everybody was created in God's image. And that we're all sons of Abraham. Because, see, we're too busy pointing the finger. Right? Can't believe what that person does. Can't believe what that person does. Hey, at least I don't do that, we like to say. But at the end of the day, we're all made in God's image. So that person who you're pointing your finger at needs Jesus just as much as you and I do. Maybe even more so. So not only do we have to make the first move, but we have to Serve those who need Jesus the most. And when we do that, it's pleasing to God. When we do that, we're fulfilling the Great Commission. And we're following the example of Jesus. We read earlier that Paul said what? He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So what we've been looking at this morning is some of the ways that Christ served others and what we can learn from that and how we can pattern our own lives after the life of Jesus Christ. And the last one is to spread hope. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because those of you who are with us during our Advent series, we spent a whole lesson just talking about hope. But you know what? I'm not going to stop beating that drum because if there's anything that we need today, it's hope. And we have it. Because it's found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to look at one last passage before we wrap things up. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's our hope. That's where our hope comes from. Our hope comes not because we deserve it, not because we're entitled, but because God loved us enough to send his son to die 
for you and me. So that this world that we live in, with all of our trials and all of our struggles and all of our sorrows, isn't the end goal for us. Because we have a hope for something so much greater than that. That's the message that we need to take when we're making that first move. When we're going out, we're looking for those people who need Jesus. That's our message. It's a message of hope. Because, see, if you want to lead someone to Christ, you don't have to preach a whole sermon to them. Tell them about the amazing things that Jesus has done in your life. Tell them how much better your life is with Jesus than it is without Jesus. And tell them that if they, too, can have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, then they've got this same hope. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what we're all looking for. We're all looking for hope. So what are some of the things that we learned from this? Be present. If you noticed in, in each one of these points, there's this idea of being present, being with people, truly being there for one another. In our, in our, first, in our first story, we talked about how Jesus sat in the temple courts and he talked and he listened and he answered questions. When he went to Zacchaeus, he went and stayed in Zacchaeus' house. Why? Because he wanted to be present. He wanted to be there. He wanted to give him the attention to tell him the story. Look for ways to help others. There are so many ways both inside this church and outside of this church that we can help others. And that's, that's something that you got to think about and that's something that you got to pray about and say, Lord, how do I use the gifts and the abilities that you've given me to serve you? And that looks different for everybody. That looks different for everybody. You may be saying, look, I don't ever want to preach a sermon. That's okay. I don't want to teach a Bible class. That's okay. But maybe you can sew. Or maybe you can cook. Or maybe there's other things that you can do. So don't focus on those things you can't do. Focus on what are the things I can do to serve my church and to serve my God. Look for those things. Pray about those things. Lord, open these opportunities for me. And maybe you are one of these people that can walk down the street and just stop somebody and talk to them and say, hey, do you know about Jesus Christ? Then by all means, do it. But if that's not your giftedness, that's okay. You look for ways that you can serve. we got to be merciful. Because people need Jesus. And we've been shown mercy, we've been shown grace, and we need to extend that same thing to the people that we meet and the people that we hope to serve. Because, see, when we show them mercy, we're showing them Christ. we got to show them mercy just like we were shown mercy. Because, thank goodness, that God sent Jesus for us so that we don't have to be responsible for all the mistakes that we've made. Well, guess what? Those people that you're ministering to that have made mistakes, we've got to show them that same grace and that same mercy. And we've got to love others. I love what Bruce said this morning, and no, that was not planned, but I love what Bruce said about focusing on love. Because when you love others, you naturally want to serve others. When you start looking at people as, oh, not that guy who looks like he hasn't had a bath in a week that's begging for money. When you start looking at that person as a child of God and someone that you love, guess what? You're going to want to help that person. But we got to love others the way that God loves us. And we got to spread that message of hope. Because at the end of the day, don't we all want hope? Isn't that why we're all here? 
Because we have faith in our hope for the future and our hope for eternity. You've got to have hope. So look for ways that you can serve in the way that Jesus served. Look for ways that you can help your church. Look for ways that you can help others. And look for ways that you can show the love of Jesus to others. Brandon's going to come up in just a moment, and I'm going to invite our elders to come down forward as well. And, and maybe you've, you've never had an opportunity to, to experience this hope that we have in Jesus. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and have that eternal hope that no one can take away from you. You have an opportunity to do that this morning. Or maybe you're just in need of some love and some community. We would love for you to come down. We can talk with you. We can pray with you. We can help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing. Everything.